uh, a place has not been declared yet. And so it kind of goes like this. I don't know if this happens in your car or not. Hey, what about this? Nah, not really interested. What, and then, you know, I'll, you know, she'll suggest something and I'll suggest something. And I'm more the naysayer on, in the car than she is. I'll just admit it. We've had conversations and maybe even need counseling over that. But uh, it's almost like, I mean, out of all the restaurants in the area, right? Uh, you know, you'd think you'd be able to go, you know, okay, we'll just do that. It's all right, right? But I remember when my kids were younger and we had a van. Yep, those were the days, right? Had a van and you hopped in the car and if it was not declared between Kathy and I where we're gonna go, it went something like this. Hey, how about going to, and they thought they were, they were voting. I mean, somewhere along the line, they thought that they had an option in this game. And they're like, no. And I don't know how many times I, were, I was in the car and I was like, you know what? We're just going home. We are just going home. I am tired of this. Any, anybody there? Oh, yeah. So I'm not alone. Let me see if I can get that. Yeah, you would have stayed home that day. Yeah, that might have been the case. You know, um, there's a verse in, in Scripture that says, uh, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Uh, this isn't really how I was going to start it, but this is what happens when you stand and you listen to the Spirit of God. I, I wonder if some of us... Uh, some of us have it reversed. You'll give me the desires of a heart, right? And then maybe I'll take delight in you. I don't know. But if that's the case, and that's where you found yourself, you're in good company because I think everyone here could raise their hand, whether they take that verse and invert it like that, or if you just live off the desires of your heart, how you feel in the moment, right? So here's the big idea for today. God's provisions may not be my preference. God's provisions may not be my preference. And I get it. We're in the day and age of Christianity where the Lord doesn't want you to do anything that would be painful or anything that would be disruptive or anything that would be out of the ordinary or uh, uncomfortable for you. Okay, some of you are already checking out, I can tell. <laughs> well, hello and welcome to Ipsy Free. Uh, my name is Steve and you can take it up with me later if you don't like what I've just said. Uh, I'm one of the leaders here. We are in a series called Consecrate and today is... It's simply this word manna. I know on the handout it says provisions, but it's the same thing. We'll get into it. Uh, the term consecrate, though, is this. It means to dedicate. We've been in this uh, 21 days of prayer and fa fasting and prayer for the whole month, and it means this, to dedicate, to devote, and to submit yourself to something. Now, uh, I, I was reading a book yesterday uh, that we got at our house, and we have seemingly a lot of books that come these days, is my wife is in a doctorate program, and they like stack up, like one after another, and uh, I was reading uh, one of the books that she got uh, for her research process, and the book just reminded me of something that's a truth. We all worship, we all consecrate ourselves to something or someone. 
But the interesting thing is that in Christianity, Jesus calls us, God calls us, Yahweh called Israel, we'll get to it in a moment, calls us to consecrate ourselves to one thing and one thing only, him, him alone. And so we here are asking ourselves the question, am I fully consecrated? Am I, am I fully yours, Lord? And so 21 days of fasting and prayer is to, that opportunity to dig that out. And then the series is to kind of find those places, those intersections in Scripture where consecrating continually happens in every aspect and every moment of our day. Every moment. So we've been looking at the life of Moses in our series. His encounter with God at the burning bush was a consecrated moment of time. We, we come to realize that, as Pastor Mark pointed out in the first message of the series, we need his presence. Uh, we need to hunger for his presence. I mean, Moses was just intrigued, as we would be, if you saw a bush that does not burn up. I, I wonder if he saw it extinguish. I mean, I... I mean, I mean, think about that. It didn't burn up, so did he see it, the flame go out, right? I don't, I don't know. That's something we can conjecture on a long time, but we all need his presence. I mean, Moses was drawn to the holiness, to, the, to this wonderful picture of who God was in that, in that bush, but as I want to remind you, God is not in the bush. God is not in the bush. And then we... We, we come to understand and realize that, uh, that he, he wants to break into our world and he wants to use you and me uh, in ways and in spaces and places where, uh, where we might not find ourselves totally, well, worthy of the space. I mean, has anybody ever walked up to you and said, man, I see this in you and you've turned around and went, yeah, thanks, no. Right? Pastors are good at that um, to do, and I think it's part of our calling. It is our calling to walk up to people and say, you know, I think the Lord has a, has a hand on your life, right? Uh, just as somebody who may, who may be in the uh, masonry business or in finance may say, man, you're really good with numbers. Have you ever considered it being an actuary? Because I want to be, you know, if I, I want a little piece of that action. If you don't know what an actuary is, they never lose. They never lose. Uh, insurance companies use them, and casinos use them all day long. So anyway, that may help you a little bit, right? Yeah, that's right. You want to know your actuaries in your, in your life. As we, as we read this passage, we, we're reminded, though, that God intersects with us, and he doesn't always take us where we want to go, right? It reminds me of Proverbs uh, three, five, and six. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his ways, seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Or this passage from Isaiah 55, eight. My thoughts are nothing, God speaking, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. So you think you're thinking God's thoughts. Well, okay. And my ways are far, be far, far beyond anything you could imagine. I mean, Moses, being raised in Pharaoh's family, you know, kills somebody, runs off to the desert for a significant period of time. God calls him out and says, hey, 
I got a chore for you. And he's like, I'm not going back there. Yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah, you are. And I will equip you. So how do we get to this far beyond anything you can imagine? I mean, isn't that what most of us hunger for? I mean, seriously. I mean, we have this, we have this dream, right? It's a, you know, it's a, it's a, a house with a garage and a picket fence and two and a half kids and I don't know what it is. But we all have this dream, right? But he's saying, he, God, the creator of us, the one who indwells our, gives us the very breath that we breathe every single day, he says, you know what? <laughs> My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. And if you want, I'm inviting you in. I want you to play. I mean, Jesus said it this way, if, you, if anyone who wants to be my follower, you must give, give up your own way and take up your cross daily and follow me. That doesn't seem too comfortable. I mean, I love my big screen TV. I love my recliner, and I like my popcorn. And you're like, how does that fit? Well, what if he were to take it all, what if he were to say, look, it's time to go to Africa. okay. Some of you are now really worried. (laughs) But if he really is God, if he's really the one who says, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine, and they're not only for not only for my glory, but they are for your good because I know how I have created you. Oh my. Oh my. So Moses encountered God, and God is all about restoration. How many of you uh, like doing restoring things? Yeah, a few of us. Some of us like buying the new things. I've, I've done a few furniture things, but God, God is into restoring all things. I mean, Jesus said it. I'm making all things new, right? I am making all things new. Moses and Aaron make their way to Pharaoh, they're tasked to ask Pharaoh for the Hebrew, Hebrew people's release, or the Israelites. So through a series of <laughs> plaguing events, Pharaoh finally lets the Hebrew people leave and go into the wilderness to worship just as, as God had already told Moses it would happen. It just took a little bit longer and a little more arduous than maybe Moses understood. But the crazy thing is that Moses changes his mind while they're all leaving town. You ever done that? All right, kids, you can go, oh, what I just do? I have, I have a, a ditch to dig, right? I don't know what he was thinking, but, right? And so he goes after them with a, fr- furry, with a fury. But God, in his graciousness, in his wonderful, miraculous, powerful, and protective hand, rescues these Israelites by allowing them to walk through the sea and dry land by holding up the water and then collapsing the water on those pesky Egyptians. Really, it's Pharaoh. I mean, even, even Pharaoh's leaders were thinking, man, you're, you're taking this a little bit too far. But, so the Israelites have seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, after miracle. Can we just keep going on and on? I mean, they have seen it over and over again. 
And they see what happens in the sea, and then there's this wonderful song, the first song of scripture in Exodus 15. Just go ahead and read it. It's one of those songs, we need to revive some of that, maybe that kind of singing in, from 15, a little tongue in cheek there. Maybe we should, I don't know, but uh, it's, it's a little graphic uh, in some ways that we might be uncomfortable with, but that's God. With Pharaoh behind them and the army burial, they buried, they set out on a new journey with unknowns to a God in whom I got to thinking about this. They know him a little bit. They don't know him in a great bit. And they're going to get to know him in a more intimate way. So if you have not opened your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16, go ahead and do that because it will not be on the screen. Other verses that are going to be brought in outside of that text will be. So open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 16. Genesis is the first manuscript of the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. And then Exodus is the next one in your Bibles. So uh, start there. Then the whole community of Israel set out, it's verse one, a whole uh, community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin (laughs) between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There is a reason why scripture points these things out. One month after seeing all that they've seen. I mean, they've already lived through the plagues. They saw an Egyptian army just, drowned by the Lord, we need to keep this in our minds because humanity is humanity is humanity. We fall into the same and similar traps. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. All right, so wait a second. Let's just put this in perspective. Maybe you've been there too. You know, I, uh, we can't make these bricks without straw you're causing too hard of a hardship on us, Moses, by taking this issue to Pharaoh. So he gets them released into the wilderness so they're free from their slave-owning and bondage-keeping people, and they're complaining about Aaron and Moses. Any leader ever been there before? They are in the wilderness, and they've just seen God's spectacular power and protection. And they're just me, 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 right? If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around with pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. But now, but now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. (laughs) They would rather live in slavery than live with God. Now, before we get too uh, high and mighty in our, our thoughts, I got to thinking about this in my own life. It's not quite the same, but how many places do I just grumble about the very, very thing that I have that is wonderful compared to other people? So how many get impatient when you're driving? I mean, nobody can drive fast enough or get going, get to the place quick enough. I'm one of those and I don't have to drive that far. And I'm like, come on. Come on. I mean, it's just stinking thinking. It's irrational thoughts. I know it, especially after I've, I've you know, succumbed to it. I'm like, uh, just, just chill, Steve. Just chill out. 
Um, that's, that's just, you know, I mean, I mean, just complaining about just idiotic stuff. I know when, uh, I fir- when we first moved to town, uh, we didn't have a doctor for a little bit, and uh, Kathy was on me, and, you, and some of you know this story, so, and she, she made the appointment, and I'm like, all right. You know, I mean, it's just a pain, right? I mean, you're getting it, right? I mean, it's just that it really is a pain. I mean, it takes a section of your day and you have to wait in the waiting room and then somebody tells you that you're this or that and the other thing. You know, it, I mean, just being bothered by that, right? I mean, and yet that visit was the visit, first, very first visit was the visit that they found my cancer. So what is it in your life that you just like, ah, do I have to go through this? Is this, I mean, other places in the world, they don't have health care. Other places in the world, they walk to where they go. Not only do they walk where they go, but then they have to carry everything that they own or the food and water to where they go. And here I am, putzing along in my car. And the question begs out of their, their existence in this passage of scripture, when do you find yourself uh, in this, this place where going backward seems better than going forward? I mean, when it's, it's better back there and you're grumbling and complaining because, well, it's new technology and all, I mean, I mean, we we can buy into so many of these, right? Believing that somehow, in some way, going back is better than going forward. Believing some way in the past is better than where you are right this moment. Now, there is one crucial point that I will say, and I'm going to ask, who are you walking with? Who, who are you doing life with? Who are you following? See, this becomes the critical point. See, God, wanted, God was with them, a, a, a fire and a cloud. I mean, his presence was with Israel right there. And so if, if you're not in the presence of God, then maybe finding your way, in fact, I would suggest finding your way to God is the place you want to be, no matter what is the circumstances around it. See, that's, that's key. His presence was promised to be with them, and his promise is that if you accept him and walk with him, that he'll be with you no matter what you go through. Yet, Somehow we've maybe mixed up our thoughts of what this Jesus journey is to be about and following Jesus. I mean, it's kind of where I started. It's this, this internal, you know, conflict that we have of following Jesus. That, you know, if I, if I, if I say yes to God, if, 
if God's on my side, then, well, surely I will fi- always find the prime parking spots and I'll never have to park a long way away. Surely I will never have to budget my f- personal finances ever again because God will always make sure my checking account or my saving account is full. I will never get ill. My kids will, all of them will follow Jesus. I will never feel like I'm alone. I will never suffer in this world. It could very well be that we have kind of this mixed up kind of thought about what Jesus has promised to us. He's promised to be with us, not to extract us. Jesus' journey to the cross was not an easy road, right? And he's the one we follow. Jesus asked his father to take the cup from him. I mean, it was so arduous that even Jesus said, really? If there's any other way, Father, take it. Yet, consecrated to the Father's will, he drank the cup that was his to drink. Paul, knowing the journey to Rome, would end in his death. I mean, over and over again, you read Acts, over and over again, uh, not only did he know, but others grabbed it, and one guy grabbed his belt and said, the guy who wears this belt is not coming back. He's gonna die. Whoa, what a promise. And guess what Paul did? I'm going to Rome. Consecrated. I mean, it was all around this, this if you will, this uh, disciple's prayer or the Lord's prayer that we pray all the time. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, my, your will. I'm consecrated to you. So the Lord hears the grumbling and complaining, complaining and he is always gracious to us. He will give them provision. He will give them manna. So Moses and Aaron said to the people of Israel, by evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Ah, the Lord who brought you out, as if they had no other markers in their life. I mean, seriously. I mean, uh, we were, where I, uh, the uh, Friday night, we were talking about the idea of reflection or rethinking and oftentimes, we're just not, we're going maybe, we're outpacing uh, ourselves a little bit. We're not reflecting on, oh, wow, Lord, what you did three hours ago was just amazing for me. That conversation that led to, right? We're just going maybe a little too fast. In the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints which are against him, not against us. <laughs> Moses trying to kind of push off a little bit. What have we done that you should complain about us? Then Moses said, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning for he has heard your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints, he says, are against the Lord. So I want to remind you, they were one month from Egypt. They had seen the powerful, protective, and guiding hand of the Lord and here, I mean, they, they saw, saw Egypt get pummeled with plagues while they sat in the outskirts going, like, Lord, you spared us. I mean, they should have been saying that if they weren't. Like, wow, that's incredible. There are many occasions in our lives 
where we are also given the spectator role of God's miraculous stuff happening around us. God's people, in this case, were granted a spectator role to the power and might of his hand. And they were the ones he was doing it for. They were the ones. And for the glory of what he wanted to bring about, but, right? Private jets, suites at football games, free tickets to key games, and passage through the, through the waters to the other side. Sometimes we're like, how did they, why did they get that? We have no idea. Why did they get the suite? And I have to sit down here in the cold, right? I mean, it's not for us. It's for the Lord. Whatever the, whatever's going on, we have to give ourselves to the Lord. Then in verse nine, it says, the Lord, then Moses said to Aaron, announce to the entire community of Israel, present yourselves to the Lord for years. Heard your complaining as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel. They looked out toward the wilderness. There they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in the cloud. Dee, 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 right? I mean, come on. Then the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the Israelites' complaints. Now tell them in the evening you will have, and again, he repeats himself, right, in, in this section. That evening, vast numbers of quail flew in and covered the camp. Well, that'd be incredible. Who's, who are the, uh, this is dangerous, I know. Who are the hunters? Yeah, I mean, quail where you can reach up and grab them, you don't have to shoot them. You just grab them out of the air. <laughs> Right? And some of you are like, ooh, that's, that's gross. God gave them the provision. I'm sorry, you know, it doesn't fit in your, your vantage point or your worldview or whatever. But he also gave them manna in the morning. This flaky substance as fine as frost blanket of the ground. His manna. But manna, and by the way, the word manna, anybody, I'm going to ask, this is, you know, uh, anybody know what manna means? Yeah, Kathy. What yeah, what is this? It's like, I don't care. Let's eat it, you know? I mean, <laughs> and Moses told them, verse 15, the food the Lord, it is the food the Lord has given you to eat. These are the Lord's instructions. Each household should gather as much as it needs what? Each household should gather as much as it needs. Pick up two quarts for each person in your tent. Wow. It is the food the Lord has given you to eat. You want a peanut butter jelly sandwich for lunch? Some of you are like, nah. See, that's the, that's the interesting thing. See, that's, that's, that's when we're out of step with the Lord. When he has placed something before you, it's a gift to you. It's a gift for you. I, I grew up in a, a home where we didn't push too many things away, in fact, I don't think I've pushed anything away. I can eat just about anything. Uh, that means I like everything, but I can, 
I can eat anything. I remember right now, I remember at Spring Arbor University or college, when I was there, we had the core 100, core three, uh, 200, 300, 400. And so before you uh, took, uh, I think it was core two, where you had to travel, we traveled outside of the country, uh, we had to read this book called The Ugly American. Uh, yep, uh, kind of talked about the very fact that uh, we're arrogant, prideful, and a little dismissive of other cultures around us, I mean, in a nutshell. And uh, it just reminded us that some of the very things that what we like and what we would prefer need to be put aside for what is presented, what is in their culture. That, uh, that could be food, that could be a lot of things. And we may even get tired of it after a while. Numbers 11 has this account of those, uh, those wonderful Israelites uh, who are traveling through the wilderness. It says, the rabble with them began to crave other food, and again the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. Now, this is their little mashup going here. We remember the fish we ate in, ate in Egypt at no cost, Like, they're paying for what they get? I don't know what's going on. Also, the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic, but now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Uh, Wait a second. Did you pay for the manna? Did you pay for the quail? God provided for you. God's provisions may not be my preference, but they're God's provisions. They are served up as a gift for us in that moment. So what do we do with this? I mean, this, I mean, this clashes with our, our deep desires of like, you know, uh, I don't want Korean today. I want, I'd rather have uh, Thai or, you know, I'd rather have this kind of steak or that kind of steak, um, all that kind of stuff. But even deeper than that, right? Like, Lord, Lord I'll, I'll, I'll do what is comfortable for me. Don't call me to do children's ministry because <laughs> you know I don't like kids. I, I mean, I like kids. I mean, you know, but uh, don't, I mean, and yet somewhere along the line, we, we this is the point. We, believe we have the ability to tell God what we will and will not do, even inside our following of Jesus. Philippians chapter 3 says this, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things, that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. See, the, the Hebrew people uh, were, were just in this space and place that we often find ourselves too, where we're like, I don't like where I'm at right now. I don't like, I don't like the food that's presented. I don't like the weather that's outside. I, don't, I mean, the list goes on. Forgetting that 
God has placed you in this moment, in this place and space, and not that he's irres- not that he discounts any of that, and not that he will not look at that, but you're in this moment now. What are you going to do instead of complain and grumble? In our consecrating ourselves to the Lord, we take each moment as we come to it with him. Scripture says something along this lines, I'll probably have it wrong, but we make our plans, but God orders our steps. A uh, few things have made me think of that, think of that recently. And, uh, you know, it used to be that in, in a business model or even in a church model, they'd say, all right, what's your 10-year plan? Where are you going to be? Um, and, and, and there's nothing wrong or bad with any of that yet with the change and transformation of the world in which we're in, even some of the, some of the larger and uh, gurus in this have, are, have even reduced themselves back to, we plan for a year at a time. And even then, plans get changed. And my only point is saying, not that you shouldn't plan or you know, plan out your calendar because we do that stuff here too, uh, but that, we have to recognize that God has this, this journey to us that he's taking us through, that he is with us in, and what we're in in the moment is where we're in in the moment. We have to recognize the reality and the glory with it and, you know, some of those things that are not so good. I remember being on my first mission trip. We were working hard, expending a lot of calories, and I was getting really hungry. I was just out of high school I still get really hungry, but that's another whole other story. On a trip, on this trip, we stayed with people in uh, from the church in Mexico, which was uh, that was that was just eye opening in and of itself. You ever take uh, take a shower with a pig? I have, <laughs> or live electrical wires hanging near the shower. It's just incredible. It's electrifying. <laughs> the wonderful people, though, did our laundry. While we worked on the church building, which was somewhat disconcerting to come and see, like, oh, <laughs> you're doing our laundry. All right, that's cool. Um, but it was really nice. They gave us their living room to sleep in. Three of, us, uh, three of us guys slept in their living room. And they made sure we had food. As I said earlier, I was getting a little ahead of myself. My mom and dad didn't raise us uh, to be picky eaters. In fact, uh, you know, we at least had to try everything if we not eat all that was before us. But refried beans for breakfast? I mean, really? And I'll tell you what, I learned I ate as much as I could down before we went to work because, man, I was, I got hungry. And this is what dawned on me. Why? Why was I on that trip and some other subsequent trips be able to, to do things that I probably would push aside in, in my own home, in my own territory, in my own comforts? It was this. Because during that period of time, I was with a team of people and we were consecrated to the moments that were right before us. We were working as a team to bring heaven to earth as we saw it in that time. I was focused on the mission and following Jesus, following God to wherever he was leading in that moment. It didn't matter what was else was going on. I'm like, okay, this is what, this is what you have to eat. <laughs> I'm hungry, I'm gonna eat. 
this is, this is the shower that you have? Fine, okay. Lord, thank you for the shower. Even if it was with a pig. There was little to distract me. Uh, there was not idleness in my hands or our time. I mean, from the time we got up in the morning, we were working on this church building, and then in the, after, in the evenings, uh, one of our guys, Bobby, found, and he spoke Spanish very fluently, so he found a place where we could all go play basketball, and I'm telling you what, uh, we, we hustled from morning till night, and it was just exhilarating. This is what Paul is getting at and what I think the Lord wants us to be about in the kingdom. As we consecrate ourselves to him, we take what is set before us, understanding that that's part of the mission that we're on. We eat it with robustness, and I'm not just talking about food. We recognize that he is with us. He is changing us. Before this section of the of the, this letter that I uh, read to you from Paul, he talks about the difference between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh, can I tell you, gets in the way because it doesn't fit into my preference. It just gets in the way. And the flesh is not just what I can see, eat, and taste. It's even deeper. It's the stuff that is related to our sinfulness that God is attempting to change and transform. I mean, you read the nation of Israel being formed and you recognize and understand that God was trying to make a nation, but he was also trying to make a nation who understood the love that he had for the world around him and a hunger for them. And these distractions, uh, they can be of the flesh, they can be temptations, whatever they may be, they can get us off of what is truly important. Three, two weeks ago, in our kid's zone, three littles raised their hand and said, yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. That is the kingdom work. That is the spirit at work. That's Jesus at work. That's, that's teamwork at play. And we're so grateful for that because that is transformation. That's life. So what do we do? How do we, how do we begin to, to deal with uh, the deeper levels? If you've been following Jesus long enough, you're like, well, I already surrender a lot to Jesus. And I don't doubt that you do. I already consecrated my life to Jesus. I don't doubt that you have. But how do you continue to purge this very thing in us that distracts us, that causes this grumble and complain about the very things that are in front of us that Jesus wants us to see not as challenges but as opportunities, as permission to allow his provision, allowing him to be, uh, allowing us to be completely dependent upon him. And it's this. We need to be with Jesus because some of us are not with Jesus at all in terms of intentionality. And so there are a couple of ways to do that. And I get it. They're repeated over and over and over 
again, but since we're in the football season, it is, it's like, you know, it's, this is a football, folks. Read your Bible. Out on the ledge, there are uh, several different ways that you can get involved in a reading plan. And if you need help in reading, with, reading the scripture, ask somebody to keep you accountable. It's as simple as that. Hey, I'm reading through the book of Hebrews. Could you just ask me what I've learned last week? Could you, at, could you text me? Right? It's as simple as that. I want to be with Jesus. So one of the ways that we know the mind of God and know the heart of Jesus and know the Spirit's movement is reading it in his word. We're formed by it. We're formed by it. And then we have to talk to him. Prayer is talking with him. And when I say talk, I really mean it. I mean, not, not only do we say something to God, but we listen as much as we say. We listen as much as we say. Kathy got me a book uh, this Christmas. Uh, it was this pastor in Dallas who decided uh, in their church they were pressing in on these conversations they, they wanted, to have, wanted people to have with people outside the church, outside their uh, known faith community. And so as part of his, his way of kind of uh, uh, contributing to this, I, this whole um, you know, investment in conversations. He likes to ride bike. So that's where the connection comes. Some of you can talk to me about this later, but he decided to ride all the way across the country in 33 days, 100 miles a day. Uh, Pretty incredible, yeah. Uh, And to strike up conversations. And Kathy was asking me last night as over dinner, like what, what, I told her I finished it, what is the biggest thing you've learned? that listening is key. Not telling always, there's a place for that, telling people what the truth is, but listening to people's story and using their stories as platform. Talking with Jesus is kind of like that too. We need to listen far more than we tell or ask Because more than likely, when you take stock, if you have a gratitude journal, you write down like three things you're thankful for every day or two things or even one thing, you'll come to find out that God is providing for you in ways you never even imagined until you start to think about it, reflect on it, and you tell him. Second way, be with community. Uh, You knew I was going to bring that up, right? And, and I get it, the community can be a, a generic term, but when I say community, I'm talking about faith community. Be with community. You need to come, I mean, you don't need to come to gatherings, but God, I think, wants you to come to gatherings. Why? Because the people around you need you. I need you. I need to have conversations with you. I need you to pray with me, and I need to pray with you. All of these things transpire. Community groups, or that, that next circle in that become uh, even more intimate and uh, become crucial to our living. I mean, if Jesus himself needed a, a crew of 12, who are we? I get it. He was discipling them. He was bringing them along, but it wasn't, it wasn't a one-way track. No longer, no more than it was with Moses and God. Now, you go ahead and read the story of Moses and God and how many times God pleaded to God, or Moses pleaded to God on behalf of the people, don't destroy them. 
in their sin, right? We need one another. We need to be in groups of some sort. That is life. We, we, we rub up next to each other and we go, oh, so that's cool. And some of us have come to realize that our, our families are wonderful and they're our blood and they're our flesh, but they're not, as, they're not following Jesus in a way that challenges us to grow as others would in a group or in some type of triad. The other way that you're with community is you're on mission. You're on teams. Whether it's the uh, you know, connection team or the admin team or you're in the kids zone, uh, there are teams that you can be a part of and then you, can, you start to kind of talk about life. I hear stories from team members that are, they're like, oh, I, I never knew this about this other person, that they, they pray this way or they pray, you know, they do different things. These two facets that God has gifted us with are part of the way he wants us to live, to be with Jesus and to be with community. So how do we move from grumbling and complaining to people who are consecrated in life wholly? Father, I thank you. I thank you for these stories that are just so uh, graphically uh, authentic. I mean, it's been said before, and I'll say it again, Lord, to you, if I were writing a book about myself, it wouldn't look like the Bible. But here, Lord, you have shown the humanity of who the people of Israel were, but also a reflection of who we are. And Father, how you are gracious with us and call us out and into a life that is consecrated and devoted to you when we press into the days ahead with the understanding that you are walking with us every step of the way. The Israelites, Lord, fire and a cloud. What beautiful symbols of your presence. But you've given an even greater one through, the, uh, through Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, the Holy Spirit. So Lord, would you inhabit us right now? Would you deal with our desires? Would you allow us to be receiving of the manna that you have given us with great gratitude? Knowing that you have good for us and glory for your name. Oh, we're so good. Maybe you didn't know that there's a God who loves you so much that his presence is with you. That Jesus died on the cross, but that his presence is with you. That he wants to guide you into life that is abundant and full and flavorful. And you're realizing, boy, I, I need that today. I, I want to follow somebody who's going to form me into something better than I'm making of myself. If that's you, uh, there's a prayer on the screen you can pray or 
just simply pray authentically to the Lord out of your own heart and mind your prayer, but this prayer goes, Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy, grace, and love found in and through Jesus. Save me and forgive me from my sins. I give you my life and choose to follow love and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are grateful, Father, for lives that are transformed by you.